Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, and trust me, there's a lot of it. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's actually a thing. We've worked as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our lifetimes. When it comes to teens, we've seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. The good news is that we speak teen. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm here with Meredith, my lovely co-host. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Kathy. How are you today? How are you? Have you eaten anything yet today? We've been falling off our food conversations. No, I haven't. And I'm actually kind of hungry, but it's only 11 and that's not usually when I eat. Okay, weirdo. (laughs) It's like the first thing I think about when I wake up. I'm like, mm, what I know, but if you breakfast? were like, but you know how I am between the hours of like 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. It's like I am unstoppable. That's when you do your feeding. <laughs> That's it when is. you feed. That's when I feed. I am like a ravenous monster. Maybe your body is telling you that you need to eat earlier. <laughs> what? Or maybe my body is telling me like, go to town, girl. These are your four hours. Have fun. You're four out. You better stop. You better eat earlier. You better have some breakfast, I people. I just don't get hungry. But like, like today I am hungry. And so after we record, I will have a little snacky snack. Okay, good. Well, I was hungry, you know, before we started recording and I had to go run out. Where am I in my office right now? In lovely downtown Burlingame. And I ran out to the farmer's market that's here on Sundays. And I grabbed a delicious breakfast bar that has teff in it which is a new word for you, apparently, because I was telling you about Teff and you were like, what's I teff? know, I'm not, I mean, I thought <laughs> I knew about a lot of grains. All the grains. Well, it has Teff in it and I was dubious because I was like, there's Teff in it. I don't know how I feel about that. It might be too healthy, but you know what? It's delicious and it has dates in it and it's all yummy and nom, 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 nom. You're trying to make me more hungry. That's I some am. good. That's some good proactive care. What a, <laughs> what a, what a segue. I can't talk and not be fed and I had to have a little caffeine this morning as well I also think we're going to need to preface this episode that there might be occasional interruptions of meowing (laughs) by my tuna by my cat tuna who is having a morning she's she's she needs your attention so tuna is recording next to us and Meredith is trying to pet her and keep her calm (laughs) but every once in a while you might hear a meow scream yeah, there might be some yell screaming. Nothing's screaming. nothing is bad, I assure you. Nothing yes. wrong is happening. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about positive psychology, which is something that, like, it's interesting working in schools and working with kids. It's like, oh, these are kind of things that once you learn about positive psych, you're like, that makes a lot of sense because it's a mm-hmm. lot of what we do in schools. Um, but I wanted to put a name to it and talk about it more today because it occurred to me when I was working with one of my students, um, and this is a student that I'm coaching, not for college. I know we talk a lot about college on this uh, podcast, but actually, Meredith and I coach a lot of kids, just life coaching, academic coaching. And so um, this is one of my students who's just kind of, you know, he's not doing horribly, 
but he's not doing great. And he's, and this is just, you know, in life and academics, mm-hmm. his are a little bit concerned because they're like, you know, he used to be a pretty good student and he's just not doing great these days. Right. And his mm-hmm. grades are slipping. And so like, what's really going on? And so I talked to him and I was like learning a little bit about him. I just started working with him a couple of weeks ago. Super nice kid. Very earnest, very honest. And he was just like, you know, I was like, what was different for you last year? And, you know, because of COVID, we've seen so many kids kind of just falter. Yeah. You know, it's just not natural for people to be isolated, especially adolescents, right? And so all of that isolation. Especially adolescents, yeah. So it has caused a little bit of a mental health storm out here for kiddos. So I'm talking to him and I was like, what was different for you last year? And cause you did really well during quarantine and lockdown. Right. And he's like, well, actually my parents moved me to Michigan and they mm. have family there. And they're mm-hmm. like, they put him in school mm-hmm. and he could actually go to class there. Like mm-hmm. school was open and he could actually go to class, small town. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. And what else? And he was like, well, and I was able, he's like, I played sports there. And oh, I was doing, yeah. he's like, and I was a starter. He loves baseball. And he's, he's, he was like, I was just, it was so much fun. Like I didn't have a lot of friends because I was new to the school, but I really loved playing baseball. Like it was my life and it just brought me joy and made me feel good. And yeah, his grades were great. Because I was like, well, there you go. I was like, positive psychology, people. And I was like, well, are you playing baseball this year? He's like, I can't. I'm back here. My district is way more competitive now. And I wouldn't, like, if I played, I, I wouldn't start. I'd be benched the whole time. And so I'm not playing. And I was like, well, what else are you doing with your time? He's like, not a lot. And, you know, I'm playing this other sport and it's fine. I don't really love it. And I'm just like, well, this is the problem, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my diagnosis, right? And I'm like, well, he's. I just watched this Adam Grant TED talk on languishing because my phone's listening to me. So it's like, it knows that this is on my mind right now. Okay, what the heck was going on in your life where <laughs> your phone was like, you know what you need? A podcast, a TED talk on languishing. Well, yeah, because he's like, my phone is listening to me coach these kids. And it's like, oh, you know what? That, what's happening? It. This is, it's languishing. This is what, and you know what? It, yeah. it really was. I was like, he is languishing. Yeah. And I was like, send this podcast to him. I mean, this TED talk to him. And I was like, watch this. I think this is what's going on with you. Like, he just doesn't have anything in his, like, he has more friends here now, which he really likes, but he doesn't have anything that makes him feel good about himself. Right. Like he doesn't right. love school. It's not super engaging. He's not really challenged. He's not like hitting that flow state. You know, he's just kind of like, meaningful. Yeah. I mean, which is really like the hallmark of right. positive psych, right? Like we should probably define positive yes, psychology. Yes, so let's, sorry. I'm just going off on my story because he's fresh on my mind, but yeah, positive psychology. So Marty Seligman, Martin Seligman, he's a professor at UPenn. He has this whole area of study where he he basically was like, you know, like the founder of positive psychology movement. Exactly. And he was like, well, in psychology, you know, what we what we keep doing is we keep focusing on what's wrong with people and trying Mm -hmm. to fix it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we come with this deficit assumption like, okay, there's something wrong with you and we have to go in and fix it. He's like, but there's all of this evidence to suggest that there are things that we can do to promote well-being. Mm hmm. Right. And that's basically the, the, the basis of positive psychology. Like what are the things that we can proactively do and infuse in our lives to ensure well-being? 
and Flourishing. Right. And that's the name of his book, actually, if you're interested. It's called Flourish. Plug for Marty Seligman. If you're listening, come on our podcast and bring Angela Duckworth with you. Duckworth with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. We are so imagine? nerding right now. Like, Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, what a combo. Oh, my God. Sidebar. When I went to, I went to Angela Duckworth's. Um, she has a character conference in Philly, and I went a few years ago, and I totally fangirled her. We were like uh, in the hallway, and some people had stopped her, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Angela Duckworth! I'm gonna say hi." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm such a fan of yours." She's like, "Oh my god, I have to pee really badly." <laughs> Can you just come to the bathroom with me? And I was like, oh, my God. I'm paying with Angela Duckworth right now. This is so cool. Anyways. Think of how many important bonding experiences happen between (laughs) women and peeing. And peeing and going to the bathroom together. had the same purses. I mean, it was really exciting. That is very funny. (laughs) I don't know if I told you this story. No, I don't think I know this story. How do I not know this? Run in with it. That's amazing. I mean, for those of you in the know. She's amazing. She's Martin amazing. Seligman, amazing. I've Read had all the books. Yes. Angela um, Duckworth is the grit lady. So if you've ever uh, heard the term grit, that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Yeah. I stumbled upon Martin Seligman in, so when I studied, you know, my, ba- my master's degree is, is a, is ultimately sort of like a community mental health kind of degree. And so we studied obviously a lot of like, you know, the seminal thinker is in psychology and so much of psychology is an academic movement until really like. Actually, it sort of began with like Maslow, who sort of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. of needs is kind of like what people think of when they think of Maslow. We're having a really geeky episode right now, but we're going for it. I'm <laughs> here for, for it. it. And he was sort of one of the first people in that in that field to sort of talk about, um, you know, like the the idea that you can be um, to kind of counter, like to be more humanist, to sort of counter traditional notions of psychology that were very responsive to like mental illness, um, which it sort of inherently emphasizes, as you said, like deficit or negative to something that's more focused on like, well, how do we self-actualize, which is like sort of the highest part of Maslow's pyramid is self-actualization, which is really about human flourishing. And I stumbled upon Martin Seligman in my early twenties because I went through this horrible depression that I talk very openly about. Kathy knows all about it. She was there when I was I was no. depressed with you, girl. We went we, through we the were depression at the same oh, time. Girl. It was a rough time. <laughs> yes, got through it, it though. <laughs> and, you know, and it really sort of emphasized what I love about positive psychology is, it, and it really helped me. It sort of was like a lot of mindset work that was sort of in, new to me. That was sort of, you know, we talk about mindset all the time now, but at that time it was not something like in the vernacular that I can recall. Um, but it's really about focusing on like positive experiences, you know, positive traits, like strengths, character strengths, which is something you and I talk about and values. We talk about that all the time with young mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and like positive community, positive institutions. And, and I think it's important when we're talking about positive psychology, it's not about being happy all the time. That's not really what, that's nope. not what it's about, or it's Mm-mm. not about sort of being Pollyanna-ish. That's also not positive psychology. It's really about considering like what ultimately contributes to our like overall well-being and how can we engage in that in proactive ways, much like we sort of proactively tend to our physical health, you know, by going to the doctor for routine checkups or going to the dentist every six months, which I haven't been to the dentist in six months, but um, (laughs) how can we sort of do that in with our mental health, with our emotional health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I so love positive psychology. Me too. I'm such a fan. Um, 
if you're really if you really want to geek out on positive psych I'll, there's a coursera class yeah 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 that marty seligman teaches right so he's he's the the professor for the class and you can actually take the class that he teaches at penn it's the most popular undergraduate class at the school and it's great. Like that's, that was kind of my introduction to it. Cause I was like, I'm so interested in this stuff, especially mm-hmm. working with kids. And once you start learning about it, you're like, Oh, this just makes so much sense. And as a parent, you might be doing some of these things already, but if you're noticing, but I, what I noticed is that when I meet with parents and talk about what's going on for their kids, especially if they have a kid who's struggling, a kid who's languishing, a kid who's just isn't thriving, like failing yeah. to, to kind of bloom. They're like, what is going on? And some of it's, some of it can just be temperament and some kids are harder to like, you mm-hmm. You might have two kids and one's just like, la, 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 everything's great. Oh my God. I love this. This is so fun. <laughs> and another kid who's just like a little bit of an Eeyore, <laughs> right? Like mm. or maybe a little more rigid in their thinking patterns. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Like a little bit like, yeah. mm, mm, you know, and so here's some of the things that you can do proactively. Cause I think the hardest thing for parents too, is feeling like, watching your kids suffer or like have it feeling like you don't have control over the situation. Right. And like, there's nothing I can do and I just have to watch. And I think there are actually things that you can make sure that you're doing in your family, not just for your kids, but just for your whole family unit that the research and evidence behind positive psychology really supports. Right. Yeah. Um, Some of the things you're probably doing already. So we'll go over. So the point of this episode is to talk about some of these things. And some of these things that you're you're doing already, but like diet and exercise, I th- I think this is obvious, except it's not. <laughs> I talked to so many kids who are yeah. not eating. Sorry, Meredith, I just called you out on your eating, but they're like not. Well, I eat. <laughs> I just eat at different intervals. You eat different intervals. I understand. But like, I have kids uh-huh. who are like, I just talked to a I talked to one of my students, and he was like, I was like, what is what's the first thing you do when you come home? He's like, I eat lunch, and I was like, what? <laughs> Right. They don't eat during the day or they don't drink water during the day. I'm like, um, you need to eat fool. So, yeah. or I have kids are like, I'm like, what did you eat today? I had a cookie. I'm like, you better stop. So, you know, instilling these habits around mm-hmm. diet, mm-hmm. right? Like having more whole foods, less processed foods mm-hmm. at home, healthy snacks, like that stuff actually really, all the research shows this is good for brain health. It's good for development. I have so many kids who don't exercise because mm-hmm. they don't play a sport. Mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and once PE's over they're like i finished my PE requirement for school so now i'm just like sitting on my butt mm-hmm, all the time i'm like oh, mm-hmm. no, you need to go exercise yeah and let's just remind everybody that they're in the stage of development where there is rapid change happening like their brain is undergoing so much rapid change that it it needs calories like you're burning a lot of calories in adolescence just to function because there's mm-hmm. so much developmental change going on like you need to eat. You need to drink. I was working with a student who she'd be mystified why she felt like really sluggish at the end of the day. And I was like, okay, have you had water today? No. Okay. Did you eat anything? No. Uh, Do you perhaps see a connection between those things in your feelings of tiredness? She's like, well, but I keep forgetting my water bottle. I'm like, girl, (laughs) you don't, I know you don't bring your water bottle. Or like using caffeine 
right, as a stimulant to get their energy, and then they crash, and, you know, so, like, all of these conversations are really important to have with your kids, especially as they become older and more independent and are able to make their own food choices, right? Like, that's all stuff you have to instill in them, and, like, just the habit of exercise. Like, I did not grow up in a family where exercise was Mm -hmm. the norm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this, and I exercised because I had to as part of my activities as a cheerleader or being in the marching band, like we had preseason for marching band. Can you believe it or not? But <laughs> yes, I can. Marching bands are intense. Intense, right? And so ours was, and we had preseason, oh. we had to run miles. Marching bands do not play. <laughs> they don't. So, you know, I think that the earlier you kind of instill that love for movement or like yeah. just like the expectation that, you know, as a family after dinner, we go for a walk or, on the weekends, we go for a hike, like just more movement, like physical well, activity in your I want to just sort of like zoom out for a second. Cause I think it's like, there's sort of, you know, it, you mentioned the positive psych course. You could also go, there's a positive psychology center at UPenn. So if you just mm-hmm. Google that, like there's all kinds of great information on that website. And they talk about sort of the five building blo- blocks to sort of human flourishing are positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. And we can talk, you know, ad nauseum about what each of those actually means. But I I think that's an important frame because Mm -hmm. what you're describing checks a few of those boxes, right? We know that if you engage in more movement, there's some really like lovely neurochemicals that get released that, you know, lead to more feelings of positivity in the body. If you're doing that, like with your family, that's more engagement. There's more sort of moments of gratitude. There's more positive experience with movement, then you're more likely to repeat that behavior in the future, right? Like it's not just, I guess what I'm trying to say is on one level, yes, like going for a walk and engaging in movement is good for physical health, good for developmental health, but it's, it's create, it's doing more than that. It's actually reinforcing sort of this systemic, these systemic building blocks of holistic well-being. Mm-hmm. which is what you and I are all about. We're all mm-hmm. about holistic well-being. Absolutely. You know, and I just think, you know, for parents, like bringing, introducing these things into your kids' lives and making it nor- the norm, right, is mm-hmm. so incredibly helpful, like a love of nature, right? Um, there's all this research mm-hmm. around how nature um, nature produces <laughs> Nature, right? Nature bathing. I know. We're hippies in Northern California. We know all about tree bathing. Um, Look it up if you're curious. But basically, you know, like spending time in nature, like having kids who grow up in concrete jungles, right? Like who are growing up in in the city and don't have access to green spaces. Like it's really not good for our health. Like, you know, so if you're able to, yeah. It inspires, like seek out awe-inspiring experiences, right? right? And what that does is it, and I think nature, nature, some of the benefits of nature is it reminds us, um, maybe this sounds counterintuitive, of how small we are, right? And those, those humility-based experiences can inspire um, optimism, right? They can inspire connection and they can inspire a sense of purpose, um, which is much different than sort of the short-term dopamine hit a teenager gets when they like are on TikTok for an hour, right? Those are very different kinds of um, positive experiences. And I would make the argument that one is very temporal and one is much more lasting and generative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's um, also, love that. 
yeah, and the the awe piece is so interesting. There's a lot of research around awe, which kind of connects to our next point. But there's a lot of research that people who are religious experience more awe than those who aren't. So those who have like a rich spiritual religious life, sure, um, because they can see kind of in their daily lives, they're looking for it, right? Their their minds are more programmed to see like, oh wow, that this whatever the sky being blue or this thing that happened to me, mm-hmm, like, you know, mm-hmm. feeling like that was part of something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's connected to our next point, which is around community. And it's always surprising to me how we are humans and we are primed for connection. Like that's what we want. And it always yeah. shocks me when we're social, we're, yeah, we're social creatures. And it always shocks me when I work with a kid who doesn't really have any community, you know? And I'm like, besides like, some friends, which is fine. You know, friends are good. We definitely want friends. Friends are great. We love friends. (laughs) Yeah, friends are great. But community is something a little bit different. Yeah. Like a group of people that you are working towards maybe a common cause or you have a common common values, right? Uh, It's a little bit different than friends. And you're like contributing to something. Yeah. Right. Being part of a team. Right. That's why sports can be so great for, for kids for multiple reasons. Team sports, right. right. Where they have to cooperate and work towards a common goal, a shared goal. And finding those opportunities for your kids when they're young so that they are like, they know like, oh, wow, you know what? Community is, is something that I really need in my life. Like, I think as a teenager, hmm. for me, if I did not have my speech team, like I would have been so lost. I had did tons I know of you friends. Were, did I know you were on the speech team? <laughs> did you know I was on the speech team? I mean, that does not surprise me. 10th you... in the state of California, girl. Oh! <laughs> yes! Where'd you go? Sure. Sure, high school? Sure, high school in Montebello, California. Okay. <laughs> Our speech team was actually really good. Um, and my best really? friend, Derek, actually won the national competition. Hey, First Derek! Category. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are good at speech. <laughs> I am good at speeching. You are. <laughs> uh, I'm good at speaking. So I loved, like, that was my community. Like, mm, I needed that mm-hmm. speech team. They were like a lifeline for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, that's so interesting. A community is so powerful because it, you know, not only can it help you weather ups and downs that are sort of normal in life, but it, it takes you outside of yourself. You know, I know, like, sometimes when I'm in, you know, I'm having a funky day or I'm like sad about something it's nice to be reminded of, to be pulled outside of my own thoughts and feelings can often be a good reminder that a, like other things exist, other people exist, other people Mm -hmm. are struggling too. We have Mm -hmm. shared, you know, we have shared suffering, shared humanity, Mm -hmm. but also like it just puts into, you know, sometimes you can get, I can get a little navel gazing and it just puts, can can help put things in perspective. Um, And you're right. Like adolescents, we tend to, I notice with parents, a lot of emphasis and a lot of, I think appropriately placed worry when their children don't have like friends, like their friend group. And I think that is sort of a word used as proxy for community, but I would encourage parents to think about building diverse community. And by that, I mean, friends are an aspect of your child's sort of larger community, but what else is part of their community? Do they volunteer at the animal shelter on Sunday? And there's like a a different community there. Do they have a part-time job? Do you as a family 
go to a summer camp together every summer, year after year? You know, do you have a faith-based or spiritual practice or do you all go to like yoga class together on a Tuesday? Like there are, it's just good to expose particularly young people to, to get proximate to difference, to get proximate to other kinds of groups that are Mm -hmm. not just fully adolescent based Mm -hmm. or fully high school related. Mm -hmm. Um, it teaches them and to it just, be relational. I think it's just booing. Yeah, yeah, it, right. Yeah, I, I mean, that's we need so to important for young people, right? This is why the for all people. Piece, well, it's yeah, exactly. It's important, but it's great when you start young and you it becomes like habit, right? It's just something you do versus right. something that you have to be super intentional about. You're right. You're like, right. As a young person, if you learn to be more relational, if you you know participating in community service can be a great way. Mm-hmm. Like I. I don't like it when kids come to me and they're like, should I do service for college? And I'm like, uh, not necessarily. Like, is there, is there something that you care deeply about? Is there uh, a cause or some, some community in your group that you want to help out? Right? Like some community in your neighborhood that you want to help out, right? Like that would be great for you to participate in some service because you think you can make an impact. You can use your skills to make a difference for people that are in your world, right? So that relational piece, I think is so important because I know adults who mm-hmm. aren't very relational. I'm talking mm-hmm. to you, men. Uh- <laughs> oh, oh my. That came out of- That, that came, came out, out of field? literally left field. <laughs> but- it's Do we need to have like, a conversation later on podcast? Well, yes, I know. Seriously, right? Like this is fresh on my mind because I was actually just talking to my therapist about like, you know, men just being less relational than women and that women, you know, our life outcomes are actually much better than men, right? Like our, our longevity, our health, yeah. like all of the, the kind of outcomes typically, not for all, but typically are better for women. And part of it is because we're so relational. We have these bigger communities we spend a lot of time nurturing cultivating right connections helping others right like yeah you know just being in community well I think I mean not to deflect away from your railing against mankind but just in their defense not not mankind just men (laughs) well that's what I I meant mankind literally oh literally oh yeah (laughs) Um, you know, in Western culture, right. And I think you and I have some interesting experiences because we sort of straddle different kinds of cultures. Um, it's such an individualistic society. It's such a like pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of ethos. We're socialized men and women and, you know, non-binary folks. We're all socialized to kind of, I think, participate in a more individualistic culture than say collectivist cultures. You know, my, when I hang out with my, you know, like I, we both come from collectivist cultures, traditionally collectivist cultures. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's, it's always been very interesting to me to sort of experience both things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's balance, but the connection with others, it's just, it's so important from a mental health standpoint, Mm -hmm. but from a, when we're talking about young people, it's also just important from a intelligence standpoint. Mm-hmm. When you are exposed mm-hmm. to people who think differently than you, who live different, who come from different backgrounds, different lifestyles, mm-hmm. you know, when you're not existing in these vacuums where you're only surrounded by like-minded people, you will emerge from those experiences. Hopefully, if you're kind of open to those experiences, 
a more clarified individual, you know? Right. And one of the things that positive psychology emphasizes a lot is sort of clarity around values and becoming really attuned to our individual character strengths. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is something that whenever I meet with new students, Mm -hmm. almost always the first like little assignment I give them, or we do it in our first meeting is the (laughs) character strength survey. We'll put the link in our, we'll put the link in the episode notes. It's the VIA character strengths. It's great because we all possess unique assets. We come with some really unique strengths and assets. And those, if we can become more attuned to those and learn how to apply those in different contexts, it enables us to build greater resilience and weather different, the sort of inevitable ups and downs that life brings us and situations that come our way. And I think for young people in particular to get really familiar with like, okay, what do I value? What's super important to me? And what are my strengths that I'm already bringing to the table? And then maybe what are some strengths that I'd really like to cultivate? Because guess what? Like, thank God we're not built with our factory settings fixed. We get to come into this world and have growth mindset and grow and change. Our our minds are plastic. You know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of what's so wonderful about being human Mm -hmm. is that we get to change if we want to. Um, So I think to sort of, in addition to, helping young people, helping your child, like really tap into community, like help them notice their strengths. You know, when you see them sort of consistently showing up as like an empathetic friend, point that out. Like, wow, like I'm really struck by how your ability to really put yourself in another person's shoes. That's Mm -hmm. really impressive. Like, that's awesome. Like, how do you think that, you know, what, what about that feels good to you? right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like taking moments to really highlight and reflect on that. Because one of the aspects of um, positive psychology is accomplishment. And it's not necessarily, it is about sort of the, like the self-esteem that can come from like setting a goal and beating it, but it's also sort of from this intrinsic sense of capacity that can develop when we're more attuned to our character strengths. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in it's almost oh, here's Tuna. Can you, can you hear Tuna? <laughs> tuna, what are your character strengths? It's is asking for what you need. <laughs> oh, this cat goodness. is such a diva. I don't understand what's she going on. She needs your attention. That's <sighs> she well, wants when, to connect. Exactly. She, you're part of her. You're her community. <laughs> That's true. To Meredith's point, you know, so much of what we do when we work with students is helping them reflect on their character strengths and their values. And we'll put a link to our value card or villages value cards deck. Highly encourage you to do it mm-hmm. as a family. A lot of our families do it together and they find it really enlightening because a lot of the parents that of the kids that we work with, they're like, I've never even clarified what my values are. And let's be clear in the values deck, there's 80 plus values. It's not right. like, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of value. You're like, there's and they're not values. fixed. They change no, over time. Change, like what, yeah. you know, what you and I thought was important at one stage of our life is different at this stage of our life, probably. Absolutely. And I did this exercise actually, I would say like over a decade ago and the, for the first time. And I found it, and I was in my thirties at that time. And I was just like, wow, I never realized that I really valued being loved. That was like one of my values, mm. right? To love and be loved. Mm. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, you know, mm. and then it just, you're just like, oh, do I feel like I'm living my values? And I'm like, you know what? I am. And sometimes when I'm confused about a decision, I can always go back to my values and be That's like, right. is this in line with my values? 
And I feel good when I make a decision that is in line with my values. That's like when I have a hard decision and then I choose the thing that is in, in line with my values. Right. And this is what we want for kids. Right. As well. And so our last point we'll cover really quickly is flow. And there's been a lot written about flow, but essentially, essentially flow is, and if you listen to the Adam Grant podcast, he'll, t- or his Ted talk, it's, it's actually, he does a little piece on flow. That's really well done. So flow is basically finding yourself so engaged in an activity that you lose track of time, right? The activity isn't too hard that you can't do it and you're just frustrated and you give up and it's not too easy that you're just like, eh, whatever, it took me five minutes. I'm not, I'm not engaged, right? Does hanging out with you count? Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like every time we hang out, I lose track of time. Totally, right? And like having a great conversation with a good friend who, um, whose values are in line with you, who understands you, like, yeah, you can absolutely find yourself in flow. You can find yourself in flow, like maybe you're a golfer and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really trying to get that drive down and you just lose track of time trying to perfect it, right? And that happens for kids in different ways. And the kids who have those, like that appropriate amount of challenge in their lives really have the ability to thrive and flourish, right? And the kids who don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might have a kid who you're like, they really are wait like I know my kid is super capable mm-hmm. and for some reason school is just not going well and sometimes it's because they're not engaged because it's like not that challenging right so it gets kind of boring I just think like this whole episode is about that word flourish 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 I'm curious what are okay what are the things that you do because I think it's also important for adults to remember like hey we need this too this isn't just about young people right what do you, what's what is an activity you do, Kathy, where you are in your flow state? I have two. So number one is throwing pots, not actually throwing them. <laughs> I think maybe you should. <laughs> wow. I could tell you've gotten really into this because you're using lingo. I know. I was like, I'm using the, 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 you're using the, the, the cer- by the way, it's not a ceramicist. It's a ceramist. It's a ceramist. A ceramist lingo. Didn't I tell you that? You might have, cause you're a nerd. So <laughs> A ceramist. A ceramist. So anyways, it's I do ceramics and I thank my boyfriend for getting me into ceramics. He's much better than I am, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> I am learning how to throw pots, which basically means making pottery on a wheel. Like a, you know, a, I don't use a kick wheel. I use an electronic wheel. It spins really fast. And in order to lift a pot, so taking a lump of clay and turning it into anything that resembles <laughs> a cylinder, a bowl, you know, it requires a lot of concentration. Your hands have to be very steady and you have to focus and uh, rhythm is part of it. So anyways, it's a whole thing. You really can't think about anything else when you're throwing a pot except for throwing a pot. Uh, So that's number one. And number two, which is I am getting slightly better at, but still not have not mastered is standing on my head and doing inversion Mm. in yoga. I've seen this. You've seen this, right? You've seen me like Kathy and I went on vacation a couple months ago. And there was a, there was a demonstration and then I tried to do it. And let me tell you, flow is not the word I would use to describe what I was doing. Oh no. I concentrate. Like I have to use every single muscle in my body and I have to activate it so I can get my legs up in the air while my head is on the floor. So it's really hard. How about you, Meredith? What are your mm. flow state things? Flow I know state what things. they are. What? But tell the people. <laughs> I bet, I'll bet it's like kicking things really hard. 
probably humans. <laughs> or a bag. I mean, sometimes. Yeah, we should probably explain that. Um, <laughs> I don't go around, around like, I don't just go around kicking people. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. So I think Muay Thai for me, I practice Muay Thai and have for many years and it's a Thai, Thai boxing, Thai martial art. Meredith is uh, a badass. It's, don't mess with Meredith. Thank you. That's, that's <laughs> not true. I'm a marshmallow. <laughs> um, mm, I want marshmallows now. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's very, I've, I grew up playing sports. And so I think being kinetic, being in movement and being in movement, that's pretty challenging for me, but also kind of cerebral is, uh, like I am so fully present. I can't think of anything as very meditative to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is definitely something where I am in a flow state for Mm -hmm. sure. And I also find that I'm very connected to nature. And so that is really important to me. And when I'm like out and about in nature, a lot of just the stuff of life, you know, the day-to-day kind of like responsibilities and things, it can just kind of like melt away for an hour. And that's really lovely. And I feel that way kind of frequently with my community, with my friends and my Mm -hmm. family, Mm -hmm. I am like blessed with like a really dope family and like the most amazing crew of friends. Kathy and I have a lot of overlap in our friends. And I just find like being in those spaces, it's just, it's just such a joy, you know, to just kind of like, it's just so joyful. And even though I can enter that space having, you know, maybe I need like something's going on in some other part of my life or I'm sad or I'm having like a, like a, you know, just a whatever day. It's just, sometimes if you can just give your brain a little bit of relief, it just helps put things into perspective. So I don't know. Those are flow states for me. Yeah. I think one of my favorite times of the week is when I get to meet with you, whether we're recording or we're like, every time we're like, Oh, we need to do some work, but then we just end up talking about our lives. (laughs) But we meet, we meet like five times a week. I know. And that's exactly how it should be. Actually. Well, okay. Can I, this Mm -hmm. might be TMI. So (laughs) Kathy knows this, but this week, I took this past week off because I, um, I got this, I got this laser thing done to my face to blast laser off face. all the, the I lasered face. I laser, I'm laser face. Your laser face. But it requires some downtime where I couldn't really like be in the sun and I couldn't really like hang out with anybody. And so I didn't have like my normal kind of routine. I wasn't meeting with students, all of these things. Right. And that's just the power of social connection. So like five days in, I'm like, Oh my God, I can only talk to Tuna so much. <laughs> I remember you and I got on a call and then our friend Alexandra, who we need to have on the podcast, came over yesterday and I was like, people, thank God. Right? We need Girl, people. I know. I was struggling. Uh, you were not flourishing this past week, my friend. No, I wasn't. Kathy no, saw me earlier in the week. Well, I you was couldn't busted. do any. You couldn't do any of the things that you normally I couldn't do, do the things. Yeah. And I, you know, the other thing we didn't mention Hashtag COVID. This is why all the ch- kids are depressed, by the way, because they can't do any, you know, it prevented them from doing the things that they love doing. The other thing we didn't say that I think is really important. That's part of like all of this is your space, like helping you and your child pay close attention to your physical space and how it's set up can be a really integral part of wellness. Like though I was really isolated this past week, my physical space, like my home is such a sanctuary. I got my little plants, I got my little comfy things and I've got all the things where I want them. Like that actually is such a like antidote to stress and anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And also a cancer. I'm like a home body. I like a little, I like a little nesting situation. Me too. I like my home to be a sanctuary. I'm with you on that. Um, okay. Well, we're out of time. We're out of time. And hopefully this episode has inspired some curiosity about positive psychology and all of the wonderful ways that it can make a difference in your life and in your child's life. And yeah, I think they're really simple changes too. If you want to use more of it into your life, it's actually not that hard. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and so anyways, if you, we'll, we'll put tons of resources on in the notes so you can go nerd out on positive psychology with us and please follow our podcast. Uh, I mentioned, I've been mentioning in our, at the end of our podcast that we are trying to get more followers because that's the thing that's important in the world of podcast analytics. So, (laughs) which we learned recently and Meredith and I are trying to improve our production value and therefore we need sponsors and in order to get sponsors we need followers so please follow us and share your podcast with all your friends thanks for listening to another episode of shit your teenagers won't tell you if you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers please share it with one of them you can check out this episode and others on our website wespeakteen.com and we want to know what you want to know so if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover email us at hello at wespeakteen.com